Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. It's a familiar passage. We've actually been in this passage for a couple of weeks now. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I'll bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been I've got three things that I want to share with you this morning, if you don't mind, just briefly. Here's the first. I want you to see this morning that God has lovingly revealed the purpose of Christ's coming. God has lovingly revealed the purpose of Christ's coming. The, the term Advent, as we've talked about here this month, is a Latin word. It, it means coming. That's that's what it means. I want you to see this morning that as we study this chapter 2 of Luke, that God in this chapter is lovingly revealing the purpose of Christ coming to us. And I want you to know that the more and more I have studied this passage, the more and more I just find myself absolutely overwhelmed at the love of God. Philippians 2 says that Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. It says, In being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And, and Peter tells us about that death. He tells us what that death has done for you and has done for me. He says this, First Peter 3.18, He says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. It's what Christ died, to bring you to God. And friends, when you just stop for a second and you ponder that, when you just stop for a moment and you think about His coming, and, and, and you think about His living, and you think about His, His dying, it's so much more than we deserve. Amen? It is so much more than we deserve. Christ, Christ coming, Christ loving, Christ death. It's more than you and I deserve. But our great and gracious God doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. He wants to make sure that we get it. He wants to make sure that we won't miss His solution to our sin problem. And so He goes even further. So God in His infinite grace and His abounding love goes even further and He gives us His Word, the Bible. God's revelation of Him 
himself to humanity. And in it, God reveals his heart. And he reveals his purpose in Christ coming. To save all that would believe. That's what John 3.16 says, right? Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I don't know about you, but when I think about it, when I honestly stop and think about the fact that God not only provided a way for me to be saved in Christ Jesus, but God went above and beyond that, that, that the God of the universe who has no nothing, that's what Scripture teaches us, that God doesn't owe you any response. God doesn't owe you any explanation. He is God. He is holy. And He is just. And He is mighty. And He is sovereign. And we are nothing before Him, right? And that God of the universe, that mighty, all-powerful, amazing God, chose out of His own free will because He didn't have to, but, but, but because He loves us, He's chosen to go ahead and, and go beyond the cross, to go beyond the empty tomb, to go beyond the resurrection, to go beyond the ascension. And He's gone to the point that He has revealed the truth and nature of all of those things to us through His divine Word. What a gracious and loving God we serve. What a gracious and loving God we serve. And when the shepherds heard that great announcement, when God chose to step into humanity and say, Unto you this day a Savior has been born. God didn't owe us that explanation. But He gave it to us because He loves us. And so when we begin to think about the birth story of Jesus Christ, I pray that you understand that that story, just as He was wrapped and swaddled with love and care, I want you to know that the very birth story of Christ has been wrapped in the love of God. God has lovingly revealed His purpose of Christ coming for us. Number two, I want you to see this morning that God's revelation of Christ's coming demands a response. God's revelation of Christ's coming demands a response. Hear me clearly today. The gospel demands a response. Now, I've had people ask, Pastor, why do you always do that, that thing at the end of the service? You know that awkward time where you sing and you wait for people to come out of their chair and to pray or to take your hand and to talk with you? What, what is that about? Why do, we, why do we always have that time of response? You know, there's a lot of churches in our world today that are doing away with the time of response. It's no longer part of their service. Now you go to church and you sing some songs and you hear the word and, and then they'll say something like, well, if you want to talk to somebody about what went on here today, there's a room off to the right that's got some chairs. You can just stop by there on your way out, and you can spend some time talking to them. They've done away with a time of response. I want you to know we do a time of response here every Sunday because I believe with all of my heart that God's Word demands a response. The gospel of Jesus Christ demands a response. When the God of the universe chooses to reveal Himself to you, you must do something because of it. You must either accept it or reject it, but you can't sit on the fence. It demands a response. Joshua said to the Israelites, Joshua 24:15. He said, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. 
says Joshua was preparing the ground. That's what he was doing. He was about to pass from this mouth into the next. And he looked at all the Israelites that he was leaving behind. And he had served so faithfully as the leader for so many years. And before he breathed his last breath, he wanted to remind them of something. And, and that reminder is really important. He said, Charles who will serve. Charles whom you'll serve. He was reminding them the Word of God demands a response from you. The Word of God demands a choice in your life. You must either choose God and serve Him faithfully, or you must choose yourself and serve yourself for all of your days. But Joshua encourages the people, choose today. Don't, don't, don't walk on the fence. Don't stay in the middle of the road. Choose today. And as we study this text, God's revealed purpose in Christ. The angel says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. As you study that, friends, you and I have a choice. We can either accept it, that Jesus is indeed the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We can believe it. We can bow down to Jesus as King. Or we can reject that truth. And we can live as if we're in charge. Either way, you have a choice. That's the choice the shepherds had. That's the choice that we have as well. I pray that you'll choose wisely. Third and finally, I would tell you this morning that if we respond to Christ as Lord, then we must spread the word concerning Him. If we respond to Christ as Lord, then we must spread the word concerning Him. I need you to say this with me. We're going to say it very slowly first, and then we'll say it all together, okay? Say this with me. Repeat after me. Evangelism is not an option for Christians. Say it together, the whole thing. Evangelism is not an option for Christians. It's not an option. You, you, if you've received Christ, you don't get to pick and choose whether or not you will tell people about the divine revelation that you have received. You see, the angels there that day, they received the divine revelation from God and the the, 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 the shepherds, and, and the angels stepped out of heaven and, and they stepped in and they interrupted the lives of the shepherds. Friends, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had a divine interruption when you were on your way to do your thing in your life and, and, and you were pressing down your path and suddenly the God of the universe infinitely and divinely stepped in and interrupted and said, No, sir, I've got something better for you. And divinely, the God of the universe spoke to you and revealed himself to you. See, that's what happens to the shepherds. The shepherds were on their way on their path and they were doing their watching their sheep and the God of the universe divinely interrupted them with a revelation of himself and he said, listen, today a Savior's been born for you. And they had to respond because you've got to respond to the gospel and they had to respond with a yes, I believe what you have said or I reject what you have said and, and, and clearly they must have believed what was said because they said let us go and find this child and they go and find this child and I need you to see the progression because it's natural. They received the revelation. They experienced the revelation and they shared the revelation. That's what it says in verse 17 that they went Here, 
today, Christians, if you're not sharing the revelation and the truth of who Christ Jesus is, then you are being disobedient. Period. Put a period on the end of that sentence. It's not a choice. It's not an option. I hear far too many people tell me, see, we, as we grow up in church, we've just gotten spiritually smart. We haven't gotten Jesus said. We've just gotten spiritually smart. And so we know that there are these things called spiritual gifts, and we've taken these little inventories, and I'm sick of people telling me, but pastor, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't know what scripture says that God has gifted some to be prophets, and some to be teachers, and some to be evangelists. And I took that little survey, and that's not my gift. Well, friend, it may not be your gift, but it is your duty. I need you to hear me clearly. Every Christian has to share the good news. You, you may not be gifted at it, but it doesn't remove you from the responsibility of the task. You find me, friend? And I'll share this with you. I, I, I know a lot of, I guess you'd call them silver-tongued preachers that are great at delivering a message, and they're so eloquent, and they don't need notes, and they've got these cute little stories. That boy, I've heard an evangelist or two in my time. In my 13 years of church work, man, I've heard some, some, some fancy evangelists come in, and, and listen, they're all indeed gifted at what they do, but you know what? Joe Blow, who walks to his neighbor and says, Friend, I don't know a whole lot, I don't have a whole lot to share with you, but I do know this. My life was divinely interrupted by the God of the universe, and he told me the truth about Jesus Christ, that I was a sinner, and without Christ I was heading for hell. And I asked Jesus to come into my life, and I didn't even know what that meant at that point. But I want to tell you that my life has radically changed, and I have been saved from the very gates of hell by the blood and the power of Jesus Christ. And I can't fully explain it to you other, to, other than to say that what the Bible says about this Jesus is true, that when you believe in Him, that when you confess Him as Lord, that you're saved. And I know that I'm saved because the Holy presence of Jesus now lives in me, and I can't really explain that to you anywhere else than to say that I know that I'm not alone anymore, that now when I read the Bible, it's not some kind of dry textbook, but it speaks to me in not a haunting, strange kind of way, but in the most loving and warming way that I could ever possibly put into words, I have been changed to you, and I'm telling you, when Joe Boy tells that story to his neighbor, his neighbor's world is going to be rocked forevermore. You don't have to have the gift of evangelism to share Christ with people. Every Christian must do it. And I want to challenge you, church. And listen, I believe that as a church we have grown so much in this. I want to pat you on the back. I think we've grown so much here, but we've got so much work to do. The church as a whole, not this church, but the global church of Christ, it saddens me that there are thousands of churches that close their doors for good every week. Did you know that? Every week there are churches that shut their doors for good and they never reopen. That saddens me because what that tells me is that Christians aren't doing their duty. That Christians aren't actually doing their job. But because here, while some of those churches probably have problems, I'm sure some of them maybe don't preach the gospel. I know many of those pastors surely are preaching the gospel. But if people aren't coming to Christ, it's not just the pastor's fault. See, we live in this society now that has decided that it's all the hired man's job. Well, Pastor, what do we pay you for? What is your salary for? You're the one that's supposed to go share Christ with everybody. But let me just share some simple math with you, okay? I'm one person. 
I can go out every week and I can share Christ with one person. That's addition. This church could grow by one person every week. Say if we had five people, what if we included all the deacons? They're godly men. Well, there's 16 active deacons in this church. Plus we've got our deacon emeritus body, godly men. So let's say we've got 20. Well, what, if, what if the 20 plus the three pastors went out and shared Christ with every, somebody every week? Let's say all those people received. That's 23. That's still addition. See, the Bible doesn't talk about addition, friends. It talks about multiplication. It talks about a body of believers going out and the body of believers sharing Christ with people. Can you imagine if every person on the roll of First Baptist Church, Elgin, went out and shared Christ with somebody this week? Share with them the message of Christmas. Just, just the next time somebody tells you, you know, listen, hey, happy holidays. And you say, oh, well, thank you. Merry Christmas to you. May you be blessed this season as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to save all men from their sins, whoever would believe in Him. Just share that truth, just that simple truth. See, see churches should never stop growing, biblically, ever. And, and yet, yet we have churches all over the place that, that they say, listen, we're full, we're done, we're finished. You can't be finished, man. There's a lost world out there. They're dead and they're separated from Christ. You can't be finished. You've got to go share. That's your biblical duty. I believe it's impossible to study the birth of Christ and not walk away with the responsibility of sharing that birth. Impossible. So this Christmas, I pray many things over you. Number one, I, I pray that you would have a great love for God and His Word. I'm going to give you some application here in a second. But I, I pray I pray this Christmas that your attitude towards the Bible would radically change. Okay? Number two, I pray that all of you here would know Christ in a personal, individual way. You've got to respond to the Gospel. I can't do it for you. We've got a lot of children here, and your parents are here. And you know, I don't know a single parent that doesn't want their child to receive Christ and to follow Christ and to live for Christ. But you know what I've learned about children? My eight-year-old, doggies. My eight-year-old in the early service. We had a little almost come to Jesus meeting while I was in the pulpit, brother. You know, they say it's hard being a pastor's kid. He woo had a little come to Jesus meeting after church too. You realize as a parent you can't force that. And maybe you're here and you're here with your parents and you came out of respect for them, but the truth is you're living your own life. I'm, I'm just telling you, you individually have to make a choice about Jesus. You have to. You're fa- you have to. You're, you're the head of the family now. You have to decide. Men, you've got to decide now. You can't live on daddy's faith. You can't live on mommy's faith. You can't live on grandma's faith. You have to decide. So I pray that you would this year. Lastly, man, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying that each of you would be burdened for sharing the story of Jesus Christ. Man, we we tell so many stories. We talk about the fact that Adrian Peterson's only 400 yards from smashing an NFL record that's been around forever. Oh, Calvin Johnson beat Jerry Rice's record last night. I mean, we we tell stories. Did you hear about the the earthquake that happened over in, you know, I mean, we, we tell stories every day. Do you know what those stories matter in the end? Nothing. And yet we have a story that can change the face of eternity. And we stay silent.
I pray you wouldn't stay silent anymore. Tell somebody, somebody this Christmas about the importance of Christ. I pray. Let me give you some application. We'll be done, okay? <clears throat> Three things very quickly. <clears throat> I don't know if any of that was in the notes, all right? Three things. Here we go. No extra charge. <clears throat> That's what we used to say. Anybody, anybody a painter? Anybody painted houses ever? Uh, I used to paint houses during the summer. Terrible job in Houston. It's hot in the summer in Houston. Outside, painting exterior of houses. I made really good money, but it was miserable work. And uh, so, but we had an ongoing joke. I did it with my uncle. And uh, when when you dripped a little paint somewhere where it wasn't supposed to be, maybe on a piece of brick, you know, somewhere. No extra charge. No extra, no extra charge. No extra charge for that extra this morning. All right. Three things. Number one, I pray, and this is this is a challenge. I want you to learn to love your Bible. I want you to learn to love your Bible. Why? Because the Bible is is God's revelation of Himself to us. That's what the Bible is. It's not just a God book. It's not just a map. It's not just a a book of rules. It's not just a book of discipline. It it is the God of the universe. The universe is nothing.
And you just talk to God about that verse just that day, man. He'll change your heart. Be awesome. So I want to challenge you. Number one, learn to love your Bible. Number two, pick a side. Choose this day whom you'll serve. Pick a side. Do you know what they call things that walk down the middle of the road? In Louisiana, they call them dinner. Here in Texas, it's just roadkill. All right? That's what's going to happen to you. You can't, you can't walk the fence. I'll tell you a story. I grew up, and we are big dog people. Anybody big dog people? Right. Listen, if you've got those little yappers, okay, I'm sorry. I, I think little dogs are cool. They're fine. I like them in your arm. You can come. When I cut up with a dog, I know that sucker is big as me. You know what I'm saying? When I get a dog and they're cool, they just go, I mean, I've got one hook in the fish. And I, I, we had one right now. She's 80-something pounds. She was she was the runt of a litter. I got her at the, at the farmer's market. She's got a bad hip and all these things. But Lucy, she is a nut. And, and when she gets, she always wants to kiss you. I mean, just, I'm like, come on. I don't want to make out with you. Not the deal. Just a big old, big old, big old dog. And so we, my whole life, uh, we've always had big old dogs. And at one point we had two labs, a Labrador retriever, and then just a black lab in, uh, in my house. And my neighbor was a cat person. I pray for you. Uh, she was a cat person. And, and her cats thought they were the cats meow, and they would try to walk around the fence. And then the cat, they would walk meow. Walk, and my dogs would go nuts. And then they started trying to walk kind of on the top of the fence, and the bed was, so you know what happened to, to the cat when it tried to walk both sides of the fence? Fell off, and it was lunch. I lie to you now. That was nasty. Knock on the neighbor's door and say, here you go. Now listen, you can laugh about it, or you can understand the truth of it. You can't walk on both sides of the fence, folks. You'll be ineffective and you'll be unproductive, and in the end, your life will be about as worthy as that trash bag was. Pick a side. Either live for yourself and stop taking the name of Christ and defaming the name of Christ or choose Jesus and follow Jesus and give Him everything and seek Him first and let Him take care of all of the rest. Brother, I'll tell you, you'll never regret it. Pick a side. Man, pick a side. I pray that you will. I pray that you'll, you'll choose the right one. And lastly, I would just leave you with this challenge you to spread the word. Spread the word about what you've seen, about what you've experienced. God has revealed it to you for a reason. If you're a Christian, you've been saved for a reason, for a purpose, and part of that purpose is to tell others about Jesus. We've all got